I really do appreciate uh, Dr. Rod Collins, our pastor. He's, he's much more than that to me, however. He is my friend, and he is also my fishing buddy. I do have a complaint, however. Uh, because of advanced age and a bad knee, when we fish the stream, I can't keep up with him. Not only that, it took me 40 years to find out where the spots are that I like on the Bishop Creek. And now Rod can beat me uh, to the fishing hole. And one of the things you learn when you're fishing is that first in has the best shot of catching the first trout. Thereafter, it gets a little slim. So uh, that is a flaw. And I think it's important that I point that out. The other thing I wanted to share with you this morning is uh, the folks out in the parking lot, in the tent, and online. I really do miss you. And it's so good to have a, a tent full of people this morning, live bodies. Uh, we really do need one another. Uh, the, uh, the community uh, of Christ's body is indispensable, uh, I think, for our vitality. And so... I'm looking forward to the day when we demask. I, I, I've been a bit of a rebel with that, I must confess, because I like to see the lower part of the face. Uh, what I find is I don't know if you're happy with me or not. Because the way we purse our lips tell you a whole lot about a person, but it's good to see smiling faces. And so uh, I'm anxious to share scripture with you this morning. Would you uh, stand with me, please, just one more time? And in deference to God's word, let me read for you the text that we're choosing today. And as you know by now, this is uh, Palm Sunday. And uh, this text is taken from Matthew, the 11th chapter. And so let me read it for you. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once." This took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughters of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, 
This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, Lord, may these uh, words come uh, uh, find lodging deep in our hearts, and uh, may uh, we honor you on this day as our King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Us old people, we have uh, uh, distant memory. We can remember things from the past rather clearly. However, one of my great embarrassments is that I forget your names. Uh, you know, uh, unless you uh, stay with around a person a great deal of the time, uh, sometimes the the name just just escapes and. Uh, so, I, I have the little tricks that I do, and I try to do these visuals, and then I forget what the visuals are, and so I have to humble myself and say, oh, please tell me your name again. Uh, you just forget the present, but you remember the past, and so when I come to a text like this, I think about the past. I think about some of the great parades in history. For instance, uh, and that's what this is, it's a parade. I remember at the end of the Second World War, and that really dates me, as a little kid, we're, we, we have children running down, up and down the sidewalks, pulling wagons, we're waving, we're yelling, the war is over. I remember the old newsreels where uh, uh, Dwight David Eisenhower, who was uh, uh, the primary general overseeing the uh, European theater of operation, when he returned on the newsreels, there would be ticker uh, tape parades and uh, confetti would be showered upon uh, the entourage as they would drive down uh, Broadway in New York and in other places. I remember when uh, General Douglas MacArthur, who had been the, the general that won helped win the war in the South Pacific, when he came home, there was these great parades uh, some parades have uh, greater significance than others. Uh, you sports fans, uh, when the, uh, the Lakers win, uh, there'll be a parade. When the Dodgers win, there'll be a parade if they win the World Series or the World Championship. But also, uh, I noticed that every Christmas, we have the uh, uh, Christmas parade on the boulevard in Yucaipa. It's, it's not quite as ornate as the Rose Parade, but it's still a parade. There's something that people just love about a parade. But uh, if you analyze parades and you think about parades, uh, without question, in my mind, the greatest parade ever was in Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago. And it's when Jesus came to the city of Jerusalem, meek and lowly, gentle of heart, and he came on a donkey. Now, that's very interesting in that when kings would come to a city, when they came in peace, they would be riding on a donkey. When they uh, would come as warriors and victorious, they would come riding on a, a, a mighty steed, a horse, and they would come riding into the city. And uh, in this coming of Jesus, this first coming of Jesus as king, he comes humbly, he comes in peace. And so I really want us to look at the text and see what some takeaways might be 
for us. And what uh, Palm Sunday uh, 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 provides for us. I think the first thing I would say about it is that Palm Sunday reinforces faith. Notice that the scripture says Jesus came uh, at, and it had been prophesied by a, a prophet. And we know that prophet to be Zechariah. And we know that Zechariah lived uh, about four or five hundred years before the coming of Christ. And uh, he uh, prophesied that Israel's king would come. And this is a direct quote that we read this morning about Israel's king coming. What I want us to see is that our faith is reinforced by God's word and the prophetic word of God. It's only God that can foresee the future, and he speaks through his prophets, telling us what shall be. But also when the prophet spoke, he was speaking a word for the people in that day. It wasn't just something about the future, but it was something about that day. And the word of God is that way. It has application then now and it'll have application in the future. Now, <clears throat> I think there are two ways that we can live our lives when it comes to faith. The first way uh, is what I would call uh, sugar high faith. Now, let me tell you a little bit about sugar high. I, I can drink a cup of coffee about 6.30 or 7 in the evening, and it doesn't keep me awake when I go to bed. But if I eat a big bowl of ice cream, and if I eat that ice cream about 8 o'clock, in 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to just pop awake. My eyes are going to be wide because I'm having a sugar high. Now, how that relates is, uh, let me take you back to my high school days. Uh, I went to, uh, each summer, to Camp Cedarcrest. Camp Cedarcrest is a four-square camp, and it's located uh, near Little Green Valley Lake up in the San Bernardino Mountains. So it, this is the motivation for going to camp. It was a vacation, that was for sure. But um, I, I really liked sports. I loved to play sports, and we had lots of activity at camp, and so there were, there were the sports to be liked. But also there was a, really some cute girls. Now, the problem with that was that I was shy, uh, at least the first couple of years, and I just admired them from afar. Uh, uh, the third thing about camp was uh, the sessions in the morning. We would have Bible lessons, and afternoon was devoted to sports and activity and recreation. And then on the, in the evening service, uh, there would be some serious time, some worship and all of that. Uh, and the climax of the camp was always on Friday night. On Friday night, or the last night of camp, uh, we were given pine cones, and there would be a, a bonfire. And those pine cones were representative of our lives, and uh, most all of the campers would come to the bonfire, they would throw their pine cones in, they have resolved that this is going to be the year that they serve the Lord for the whole year. Well, I did that my freshman year, my sophomore year, and my junior year. And it lasted about as long as getting down the hill. The resolve was there. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. And I would have those sugar high experiences. Now, you may have had that. The couple's retreat, uh, whatever. 
and you come away, or maybe it's just a great worship service, the music just touched your heart, and you just feel like you're on top of it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. that that's, that's good, but you can't live on it. The Scripture says, uh, David said this, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is a, a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's in God's word that we grow strong. It's in God's word that we advance in the faith and we mature. I cannot press you hard enough this morning to engage with God's word on a daily basis. It will make you strong in the Lord, and the joy of the Lord will become your strength. Uh, the Apostle Peter has something to say about this. He has a, a time in mind when he and Peter and, and, and uh, uh, John were with uh, uh, Jesus, uh, James and John, Peter, James, and John. They went on the mount uh, with Jesus, and before their very eyes, Jesus was transformed. And there was just something glowing and glittering about him. And they were smitten by that experience. And uh, there appeared uh, those Old Testament saints with them. And uh, 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 it was just one of those outstanding sugar-high experiences. And uh, Peter, writing years later, says this in, uh, sec in the first chapter of Second Peter. He, he reminds the people of this incredible experience that he had. But then he adds to that, we have a more sure word of prophecy to what you do well to pay attention to until the day star rises in your heart. Who's the day star that is to rise in our hearts? It's none other than Jesus Christ. Pay attention to God's word. And I, I, I want to encourage you to do something. Uh, and you know, the Bible is just one book. There's the, the first half of the book and there's the second half of the book. Two major sections. We call them the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if you could keep this in mind, thematically, the Bible is the Jesus book. And when you read the Bible and you put it in your heart, you're going to see Jesus uh, pay on page after page after page. And I would encourage you when you do your Bible studies, when you meditate and you spend time before the Lord in Scripture, always look for Jesus. He is the day star. And when he arises in your heart, it's transformational. It's the strength of your life. God's Word becomes the bread of life to you. So feed on it often and faithfully. Then the second thing I want you to see in this text that's a takeaway from me is that the coming of Jesus lowly, uh, uh, humbly lowly, riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a beast of burden, uh, exemplifies for me, and I trust for you, humility and surrender. Uh, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence, ever live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Redeemer, I surrender all. May that become the prayer of our hearts every day of our lives, moment by moment, a surrender to Jesus Christ. 
Do you understand that the very best life you can have is a life in surrender to Christ? It's when he rules and reigns in your heart. Think of the example that Jesus set. He said, Lo, I have come to do thy will, O God. And then in Gethsemane, he would say, If there be any other way, Father, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. When people would say to Jesus, we want to follow you, Jesus would say to them, to them, to the people who said, I want to follow you. If any person comes after me, he, she must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. I'm not so certain sure that you can really call yourself Christian unless you are denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus. I think we live in a day and a time we so emphasize grace, and I don't think you can overemphasize grace, but we do it often to the detriment of pointing people to what is the end result of a person who has really uh, come to know God in his grace and his love. Anita and I have been married for a long, long time. Longer than most of you are old. And we have developed in our relationship a kinship. We seem to be able to finish one another's sentences. We seem to know what the other person is thinking because we are familiar with one another. We spent 60 plus years together. We really have gotten to know one another. And in a sense, my will is swallowed up in her will. And her will is swallowed up, swallowed up in my will. We want what is best for us. At a much higher level, a more profound level, as you walk with Jesus Christ, as you devote yourself to him and you surrender to him, your will becomes swallowed up in his will. And the will is one and the same. Pastor Rod preached a marvelous sermon a couple weeks back when he talked about God's plan versus our plan and mistakes we make. And he said uh, one of the mistakes we make is that we are, are, are uh, prayerless. It may be a good idea, but we don't uh, talk to God about it. It may be a bad idea, and we don't talk to God about it. But when we talk to God about it, he, he modifies, he clarifies, he makes the path more clear. He talked about the fact that we are presumptuous. We assume just because it's a good idea, it must be God's idea, and we don't take time to wait on God to determine if it's his will or just our will. And then he made another point. He says when we know what God wants us to do, we procrastinate. We put it off for another time. And the opportunity passes by, and we miss the, the blessing and the good work we could do 
by responding quickly to the voice of the Lord. A third thought, takeaway that comes to me from this text is that there is an assigned responsibility that we have. Notice as the story unfolds, the crowd, they're crying out, Hosanna, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. Notice that they're throwing their garments in front of Jesus and, and they're throwing the, the branches, I assume, of palm trees in his path. There's a great celebration. Crowds are, are, uh, have formed now and there's the march into the city of Jerusalem. And people who are not familiar with Jesus, uh, they see all this going on and they say, who is this? Who is this? I want you to know that your responsibility, my responsibility, if we be Christ followers, is to tell people who this is. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who bore our sins to the cross, was raised on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and lives forevermore, has come to make his abode within you and me. We are the temple of the living God. Jesus Christ lives within us. It becomes then the center of worship. You become the center of worship. Oh, we always think in corporate worship, that's a wonderful thing. and It's a necessary thing. But greater than that is that you become, that I become a worship center to God, offering him our, our praise and our adulation and our worship and glorifying his name. But equal to that, equal to that, is Jesus said to his disciples, uh, I want you to stay in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high, and you will be my witnesses. You're going to testify to me, of me. You're going to tell others about me. You're going to tell others in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, when my spirit comes upon you. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, God's spirit is not only within you, it's up on you to empower you to proclaim the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was fortunate, I was blessed, I should say, to be a part of what Jesus was doing in America in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And in those days, uh, you weren't afraid to pick up hitchhikers, and there were hippies everywhere, and you would pick them up, give them a ride in your car. And I can tell you this, that I was so zealous to see people come to Christ. I, when, I, when, when I went to be a pastor, uh, you know, other guys had big ideas about a big church. That was never in my mind. I had one mindset. How can I point people to Jesus Christ? And here I am 60 years later. I still am not a great church man, but I'm a great man about the church and about the people of God and witnessing for Jesus Christ because he is the redeemer. He is the transformer. He's the one that changes lives. And it's not about how we do church. It's about how we honor Jesus Christ and how we speak up for him. I could just lay this name after name after name of I, I have seen uh, uh, people coming to Jesus and now living long enough to see how uh, it took. Uh, I was talking to somebody uh, before the service started, and he was talking about he, he had his last COVID shot. And uh, I was talking about different kinds of shots. 
Uh, one of the ways I guess you know it takes is that you get a little sore from it. Uh, your arm gets sore. You might even get a fever. Who knows? But there is there's something about being inoculated, uh, and it's transforming. And my question is, have you been inoculated by Jesus, by the Spirit of the living God? If so, what is the fruit of that inoculation? Are you a worshiper? Are you a witness for Christ? And then one final point I must make is this, that the coming of the Lord uh, is a determiner of destiny. I want you to think about this because the question was asked, who is this? And it reminds us that this is the one who is coming unto, uh, he's the one who's coming unto you. Well, you realize, don't you, that there are two comings of Jesus Christ. There was the humble humanity coming that was witnessed in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, a historical coming that we bear witness to. However, there is a day set that this same Jesus will return. And the question is, are we ready to meet him? For he will come this time, not humbly riding on the, uh, a colt, the foal of a beast of burden, but he will come riding a great steed, a great white horse, and a sharp two-edged sword will come from his mouth. His eyes will be on fire. He will destroy people by the brightness of his coming. Uh, and there is written on his thighs, King of kings and Lord of lords. So the question is, as I close this morning, where is it with you? Is Jesus King of kings? Is he Lord of lords? Have you denied yourself? Have you taken up your cross? And are you following him? And uh, I cannot urge you enough. If you are a follower of Christ, take it seriously. Don't, uh, don't buy into a cheap grace, but buy into a full-throated, full commitment to Jesus Christ. And if you have not yet named Jesus as your Savior, there's no better time than today, for the day is the day of salvation. And I remind you of this. No one spoke more of hell than Jesus. Now, I have to tell you that's a mystery to me, but I sure know I don't want to go there. The other thing that Jesus talked a lot about was heaven. And so you have a choice. I have a choice. Can I live the rest of my life with the best life possible following Jesus and know when I close my eyes in death or if the trump sounds that I'm going to spend forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever with God's people and with the Son of God, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in a perfect, perfect world. On the other hand, should I deny that salvation is any other, in any other, then the sentence has been passed. And unless I repent, it's a lifetime of misery in the presence of the devil and his angels uh, and suffering untold agony. So today, again, is the day of salvation. Let me pray this prayer for you. And uh, if you would like to make it your own, I encourage you to do so. 
And so, Lord, we who know you come once again to a point of consecration. We repent, Lord, of our egoism, living just for ourselves. Help us, Lord, to abandon ourselves wholly unto you, totally unto you. And Lord, for those that hear my voice that don't yet know you, I pray they will be touched by your love and by your tenderness, Lord Jesus, your tender coming, uh, coming as humble and human, dying on the cross for their sins and having the great invitation that says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so this day, we call upon your name. We receive the gift of salvation. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.